You're listening to a Big Finish production. Osgood was sitting in her office, minding her own business and tinkering. Ouch! Oh, for goodness sake. It's going to be one of those days, I think. Come on, sister, where are you? You're better with these things than me. Constructing Kate Stewart's latest requisition, a state-of-the-art signal jammer, was challenging work. But mostly, Osgood was wondering when her sister was going to return with the coffees. The next thing she knew, she was in demand. Osgood! How do you fancy a spin? Whisked off into time and space by a gaunt and grumpy time traveller. For this, Osgood would definitely sacrifice a grande iced sugar-free vanilla latte with soy. Seriously? Oh, Doctor, of course! Osgood shoved her gizmo into the pocket of her lab coat and ran inside the TARDIS. <gasps> At last! The Doctor's face cracked into a smile and Osgood's heart sang. That smile, this place, all a promise of wonder. The doctor glanced guiltily back at the TARDIS doors. Won't your sister mind being left on defender duties? Not if I pay for the coffees. He eyed her curiously. So, which one are you? You should never ask a lady a question like that. It's not polite. The doctor laughed and reached for the controls. <laughs> Can't say fairer than that. Come on, let's go. Yes! Osgood looked around the TARDIS in delight. Finally, she was riding in this magnificent machine. True, she was something of an enthusiast when it came to the Doctor, what you might call a specialist in Doctor studies. But this, at last, wasn't research. This was the real thing. Anywhere in time and space, we can meet anyone, anything. The greatest inventions, the most brilliant minds in the universe. Where are we going? The Doctor's hands danced over the controls. I have a very special mission. Only you will do. Me? Really? What is it? A spark of mischief lit up the Doctor's eyes. We're going to meet some... politicians. Sometimes, the TARDIS appearing was not the most striking thing about a place. Sometimes, the emergence of two grown people from a box surely too small to contain them both wasn't the most noteworthy thing going on either. The Doctor stepped onto the strange streets, confident they were not attracting attention. He waved to Osgood to join him. Well, what do you think of this? Alien enough for you? Ever since I can remember, I've always wondered what an alien world might look like. Dreamed of boarding a spaceship and stepping out somewhere completely different. Oh, Doctor, it's wonderful. The towers stretched up to the skies. The buildings hummed and sang with life and laughter. The walkways glimmered, and all around her huge bright flowers ran riot. There was colour and light everywhere. And most of all, there was life. If any of it was human, Osgood couldn't see it. Everything, everyone, was different. 
More heads, fewer legs, many arms, no arms. Things that might be bodies, but were probably carapaces. Here and there a horn, chattering and whistling and hooting, and was that singing? Slowly, as the TARDIS translation circuit sorted through the noise, the different sounds resolved themselves into a hundred conversations all happening at once. It was a lot to take in. There were conversations about the weather and politics and what was on at the Zero Grav Theatre and why you should see it right now or why you really shouldn't bother. There were complaints about the weather and politics and next-door neighbours who didn't park their flyers properly and block the lights in the 94th floor window. There were people buying and selling and laughing and joking. And all of it was wonderful. Wow! He gave that secret smile that signalled the start of adventure. Osgood's spine tingled. So, where are we exactly? The doctor took a deep breath. This is Naspiel, the capital megacity of the Ninth Galactic Distributed Conglomeration and Alliance of Compatible Worlds. Mm, that sounds big and not easy to say without practice. The doctor shrugged, as if this kind of speech were par for the course. More than four and a half thousand worlds, with over nine thousand sentient species, not a bad size as interplanetary civilizations go. I'm impressed. But why are we here? What was all that about politicians? Can we do some sightseeing first? You know, I'm always glad I put on proper shoes. The doctor was already striding down the street. Osgood was still standing and looking round when he glanced back. Hurry up, that's our hover bus. The number 66 to the centre. We don't want to miss it. Uh, doctor, wait a minute. Wait for me. The doctor caught the hover bus just before it lifted up and away. He threw out a hand and grabbed Osgood, pulling her on board. Yeah. Well, that was close. Come on then, let's have the briefing. A bright blue and yellow crab-like creature skittered past. The doctor squeezed them into the seats it had left behind. The problem with interplanetary civilizations is that no matter how many planets there are, they always want one more. In fact, the bigger they get, the more they need or want. We're here to stop an invasion. An invasion? There's a small world called Albency. It's not part of the Alliance. It's quiet, and as yet, Nobody from the galactic community has made formal contact. As far as the Albantians are concerned, they're the only ones around. Oh, I bet there's all sorts of rules about first contact. Well, they usually are, or there should be. The problem is that people don't always follow them. The doctor nodded. I heard there were plans afoot to force contact with Albancy. A prelude to colonization. <laughs> Invasion, more like. You heard, did you? The doctor smiled. Oh, I hear all kinds of interesting things. Well, I guess we're here to stop it. The invasion, I mean. There was a steely look in the doctor's eyes. I don't like conquests. People should be left to get on with things at their own pace. If the people of Albancy want to find out whether they're compatible with the distributed conglomeration and alliance of compatible worlds, they can do it on their own terms and in their own time. So, are we helping the rebels? That's the kind of thing you do, isn't it? Turn up and make a speech and the next thing you know, everyone is revolting. Rebelling, whatever. The doctor looked at her as if she was speaking in tongues. What? No, I told you! We're going to talk to the politicians. Persuade them of the error of their ways. We're going to a policy consultation. If I'm being honest, that sounds a bit like my day job, Doctor. The doctor gave his craftiest, most wolfish smile. We'll see. This is our stop. He reached over and waved his hand in front of a sensor. Oh, steady on! He leapt from his seat and hurried to the exit, 
Come on, come on, come on, come on, politicians! Osgood chased him off the bus and onto the street. Why do you look like you've just said lunch? The bus had dropped them outside a huge shimmering building. Elevators shot up and down the sides like rockets, up higher than Osgood could see. The council building. Let's get inside. The citizens' consultation opens in ten minutes. They inveigled themselves into a party of tourists who had come to poke around the council building. Osgood was interested in the tour, but the doctor dragged her off as soon as possible. Come on, we've got work to do. He led Osgood at great pace down a wide passageway lined with statues. Osgood could happily have lingered to look at these. She counted at least 15 different species as they sped past. Uh, are you sure this is okay? I mean, you couldn't just wander around Parliament, could you? We're not even local. The doctor didn't slow down. Well, if we run into trouble, there's always the psychic paper. That usually does the trick. As far as anyone's concerned, we're concerned too. Concerned citizens, here to make our contribution to the debate. He became defensive. That's allowed, you know. Proper, direct democracy. You lot could learn a thing or two. Hmm. But we're not, are we? Citizens, I mean. I'm from Earth and you're, well, you're a Time Lord. Do you even have a passport? The Doctor brushed the question aside and led Osgood to the end of the passageway and a huge set of double doors. He pushed them open and they entered a vast hall. A vast, empty hall. Osgood looked around and then up. She saw a glimmer of gold far above. Circling the room were rows upon rows of galleries, accessed by glass lifts positioned at intervals around the walls. But the galleries too were empty. What's this room for? This is a lot of space for a whole lot of nothing. I thought you said there was a debate going on. The doctor was wandering round. He seemed to be looking for something. This is the council chamber, of course. But there's nothing here. It's a completely empty room. The doctor put on his sonic sunglasses. Not quite empty. On the wall nearby was a little black box, which the doctor opened. He took something out and passed it to Osgood. A pair of thin pince-nez. Pop these on. It'll soon make sense. Osgood did what she was told, clipping the wire frames awkwardly to her own glasses. This is like trying to get sunglasses to fit. Nobody thinks about people who already wear glasses. Huh, must be what it's like to be left-handed. Oh, my. She heard the doctor laugh. <laughs> Do you see now? The room had sprung to life. Osgood could see hundreds of people, all around and all above her, some sitting behind desks, others dashing to and fro. She could hear someone speaking, making a speech, she guessed, to the rest of the council. At the same time, data was streaming in front of her. Numbers, facts, miscellaneous details. For most people, this would have been overwhelming. But Osgood was good with other people's technology, and she soon worked out what needed attention and what could be filtered out. Doctor? None of these people are actually here in Nace Beale, are they? The Doctor was a dark, solid figure behind the information flow. He nodded, like a professor proud at a student's breakthrough. Correct. They're all back on their homeworlds. So how are they talking to each other? I mean, don't communication signals take time to travel through space as much as everything else? Unless you find a way around it. Listen. Osgood listened even more closely. She read some of the information in front of her and worked out how to ask for more, 
with the blink of an eye or a twitch of an eyebrow. She found poll ratings, fact checks, info dumps. After a while, she was able to work out what the debate was all about. She found a little notebook function and, with a wave of her hand, began to scribble virtual notes. They're talking about something called the Basil Grid. No, that can't be right. The doctor laughed. <laughs> I wish it was. The Baz Lion Grid. Faster than light communications technology. Oh, I see. Well, that's how they can communicate in real time, without all having to travel here from their home worlds. It's what holds the Ninth Galactic Distributed Conglomeration and Alliance of Compatible Worlds together. You, you know, how about we just call it the Alliance? Yeah, works for me. So what am I doing? Listen to what's going on. Listen for any mention of uncontacted worlds. They won't talk about Albency outright, but that'll be the agenda. Opening new worlds. Well, these guys aren't pleased about something. What's going on? Yes, they're complaining about new connections to the grid. Uh, it always comes down to who pays for infrastructure. It's exactly the same at work. Everyone likes the idea of defending the Earth from alien incursions, but nobody wants to pay for the upkeep of the office. Well, it's not like we squander money. I have cut back drastically on highlighter pens, and I love highlighter pens. Doctor, are you listening to any of this? Osgood, dipping her head to peer over the rim of her pince-nez, saw him wandering off across the chamber. <sighs> Your attention span is terrible. I thought I was here to brief you. You are, so carry on briefing. Osgood pushed the pince-nez back firmly in place and carried on following the debate. Sometimes only a civil servant will do. So the Baz Line grid connects all the worlds in the Alliance, and all the worlds in the conglomeration pay for access. But there are commercial interests too. Well, they usually are. The Council wants to make them pay more to bring new worlds online, but they're arguing about how much. Well, some things never change. Oh, hold on, who's this? There's a corporation that says they're willing to pay more. Well, I bet that's never happened before. Oh. Well, the crowd's going wild. Hey, they're getting ready to invite citizen responses. Doctor, you ready? I've got some suggestions. You want to keep an eye on that lot over there from the Lisbon Corporation. The doctor came to stand next to her. He unfolded himself to his full height and looked ready to make the speech of a lifetime, of several lifetimes. And then the images on Osgood's pince-nez flickered and fluttered and disappeared. They were back in the empty, silent room. She took off the pince-nez and shook them. It made no difference. Hey, where did everyone go? Doctor, what happened? The doctor pulled off his sonic sunglasses. Quickly, he looked up and around the room. He pointed upwards. There, look. High up in one of the galleries stood a figure. It looked like a man. But Osgood, of all people, wasn't going to make assumptions. We're being watched. The doctor was frowning. They cut us off just as I was about to speak, almost as if someone wanted to make sure no one got their say. Osgood looked around quickly and pointed up at another gallery. A woman was standing there, looking down at them. She was holding something up to her eyes. All the better to see them with. Doctor, there are two of them. The woman, looking across the chamber, saw the man in the far gallery. He saw her. They both started, and they both began to move. Oh, no, you don't get away that lightly. Osgood, you take the woman, I'll take the man. He began to run across the chamber towards the lifts. What? Follow her. Catch up with her and find out who she is. Oh, well, this wasn't what I signed up for.
Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Osgood came into the gallery and looked around. There was no sign of the woman. Oh, she's had ages to get away. Honestly, Doctor, how do you expect me to chase someone? I'm a civil servant. There was a door opposite her, so she opened it and stepped through. And out onto a high balcony. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no, not heights. Oh, I draw the line at heights. Osgood pressed herself back against the wall. She was about to retreat back into the gallery when she caught sight of something in the corner of her eye. She turned her head cautiously to look further along the balcony and saw a tall woman in dark colours wearing a scarf that covered the lower part of her face. Was it the woman from the gallery? She stood in much the same way, confident, easy, and completely unafraid of heights. Show off. A hover bus sped past. Osgood closed her eyes. Oh, I can do without that kind of thing, thank you very much. Osgood opened her eyes again. The woman was on the move, heading away along the balcony as it curved round the building. Osgood began to inch after her. Follow her, he says. Find out who she is, he says. Well, it's not that easy, Doctor. Oh, eyes ahead. Don't look down. Eyes ahead. Don't look down. As she gained confidence, she gained speed. Slightly. Her target picked up pace in response. Osgood saw her strike out across a narrow walkway that led to the next building along. Oh, great. Summoning her courage, Osgood moved faster. She came to the walkway and took a cautious step forward. Was it swinging, or was that just her imagination? Ahead, her target was running. Oh, oh they could build cities underground, or outwards, keep everything flat. She shuffled forwards. On either side of the walkway were low see-through walls, each with a handrail running along. She grabbed hold of one of these. Ahead, her target was moving quickly, happy to move without holding onto anything. Seriously, who thinks this is a good architectural design? What is wrong with people? And then, her target stopped suddenly. Osgood risked looking ahead past her. It was a dead end, and the only way back was through Osgood. Osgood took a deep breath and thought about the quiet planet of Albensi and all the lives that were at risk if this woman got away from them, if she got away with her plans. Whoever you are, you won't get past me. She prepared to stand her ground, and then she watched as the woman reached into her jacket and drew out what could only be a weapon. Osgood froze. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. The woman headed slowly back down the walkway towards Osgood. Her face was still partially covered, but Osgood knew what she'd be thinking. Look, I'm not armed. I just want to talk to you. The woman didn't reply. Instead, she raised the weapon. This close, Osgood could see her eyes, sharp and golden. The woman took aim. Osgood trembled as she saw her finger press against the trigger. Nothing happened. No shot, no ricochet, no sudden burst of pain. For a moment, Osgood thought the weapon had misfired. But the woman seemed calm. She put the weapon back into her jacket and stood, arms folded, watching and waiting. Osgood realised she was feeling rather faint. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Dark blotches began to obscure her vision. Terrified she might topple over the edge, Osgood grabbed for one of the handrails. <sighs> 
I'm feeling ever so strange. Her eyes fluttered shut. She felt her knees buckling, and then a hand, the lightest touch upon her arm keeping her safe. Mm, doctor? Then the world went dark, and Osgood slipped quietly into unconsciousness. The doctor, meanwhile, had chased his man back through the council building and out into the main square. They ran down the street, sending tourists flying. They dodged traffic and were briefly sidetracked by a festival, celebrating the 1,091st anniversary of the first pronouncement of the magnificent prophet Belaysin. Yes, yes, nice man. Terrible handwriting. You might want to look back at those manuscripts one more time. No sooner had he got past the acolytes of Belaysin, the doctor was promptly caught up in a protest over cuts to local hover services. No, I entirely agree. Nobody takes public transport seriously enough, but can you please let me through? I have a planet to save. His target, pulling free of the crowd, sprinted across the street to a huge moving stairway. The doctor followed, escaping the protesters and loped up the steps, two at a time, pulling closer to his man. But the man was fit and apparently used to the chase. At the top of the escalator, he went off at a sprint along the wide walkway. The doctor dashed after him, forcing him away from the crowds and into a narrow alley. It came to a dead end. The doctor slowed his pace and approached the man. <sighs> well, I'm glad we've got all the running out of the way. Who are you? What do you know about Albancy? The man's eyebrows raised at the name of the world. <sighs> Albancy, how do you know about that? The doctor gave a cold smile. Who are you working for? Was it you who cut my link to the grid? Stopped me speaking to the council? The man began to laugh. <laughs> you want answers? Talk to Sangbell. He reached into his pocket. The doctor, expecting a weapon, tensed, and then realized that the man was holding a personal transporter. No, wait! The doctor groaned in frustration. He hoped Osgood was doing better wherever she was. He suddenly wondered about the wisdom of sending her off on her own on an alien world, chasing after an unknown woman. Osgood. Osgood opened her eyes to bright light. Ow. Oh, my head. Carefully, she sat up and looked around. She was lying on what was in fact a very comfortable bed in a very comfortable room. With the drinks-making facilities, the entertainment pod, and the slightly anodyne art, it had all the hallmarks of a nice but not high-end hotel. Not that she was complaining. Unit's budget didn't generally stretch much further than a B&B &B for overnights. Well, I hope I don't have to pay on checkout. Oh, that would be just my luck. She stood up and walked over to the window. The room was higher up than Osgood preferred, although she had to admit that the view over Naspiel was spectacular. All I wanted was a day trip, and now I'm in captivity. Four-star captivity, yes, but still. Practical as ever, Osgood set about trying to find a way out. The door was locked, of course, so she started rummaging through her pockets for something to force it. Fancy pants, nay. Signal jammer. Oh, chucky vicky. One pound and 76p. Oh, biro from that biotech conference. <laughs> Green highlighter pen, yellow highlighter pen. Ugh. No, nothing. Oh, if this is going to become a regular occurrence, I should think about what I carry around with me. Suddenly, someone was outside the door, turning the handle. Oh dear. Oh no. Okay, right. Weapon. Anything I can use as a weapon. 
and non-offensive, defending myself with no intention of hurting anyone sort of weapon. Oh, what about that biro? The door opened. A woman walked in. Very glamorous, Osgood thought. The golden eyes were a giveaway. This was the woman she'd been chasing. The woman who had sedated her and, presumably, brought her here. Osgood seized the nearest thing to hand, brandishing it in front of her menacingly. Not a step closer, Doral! <laughs> the woman was smiling. Osgood looked down and saw that she was holding a cushion. Quite a plush one, but unconvincing as a weapon. She pulled it close into her chest, like a shield. Or I'll not be very pleased. The woman's eyes crinkled at the sight of Osgood and her cushion. She began to laugh. <laughs> you look ridiculous. Put that down. Um, if it's okay with you, I'll, I'll just keep hugging it. The woman tilted her head, amused. All right, if it makes you feel better. She turned her back, ostentatiously suggesting she didn't consider Osgood a threat, and poured herself some water. Glass in hand, she turned and perched herself against the cabinet, looking steadily at Osgood. All right, this is the part where you tell me who you are and who you work for. Ah, uh, that's a tricky one. Keep it simple, you've caused me a lot of trouble. Osgood scratched her ear. Honesty was the best policy, except when it wasn't, and she hadn't had time to ask the doctor his directives on things like full disclosure and whether to fess up about being in the pay of a foreign power. I'm a civil servant. The woman laughed. <laughs> oh, we're all civil servants. Osgood was about to try a different approach when she heard tapping coming from the window. The woman frowned, put down her glass and edged across the room. Is that really someone knocking? How high are we exactly? The woman was now next to the window, out of sight from outside. Too high for this. She drew her weapon and reached out to open the window. Osgood put the cushion in front of her face. Oh, I'm not made for spy games. The woman swung the window open. There was a crash and a thump, and a tall, gaunt man in black fell into the room. He scrambled to his feet, brandishing a sonic screwdriver in front of him. Hands up, or I shoot! The woman stood back and folded her arms. Ah, the brains of the operation. It's okay, Doctor. She just wants to talk. I, I think she might be friendly. The doctor rubbed his shoulder and glared. Well, she's got a funny way of showing it. Everyone got comfortable. The doctor sat down next to Osgood on the sofa and looked at her carefully. You okay? Fine. A bit woozy from the sedative, but everything's all right now. And I think there's been some confusion. She glanced over at the woman. Her expression was a combination of amusement and irritation, as if she was enjoying the company of these strangers, but they were also taking up a lot of her busy schedule. Do you do realise how much trouble you've caused? She said. The doctor bristled. You kidnapped my friend! The woman bristled back. You almost broke my cover! Uh, guys, uh, before we all get cranky, well, crankier, how about we introduce ourselves to each other and maybe... We don't have time. We have to stop that invasion. The woman looked at him sharply. Invasion? Of Albensi. Do you know about it? The woman's eyes narrowed. I do, but how do you know about it? The doctor shrugged. I keep my ear to the ground. Look, are you going to help or are you part of the problem? Are you working for the government? You said you were a civil servant. Well, hinted it. The woman smiled at her. Someone who pays attention. I should take more care around you. What's your name? The doctor leaned forward. Don't tell her.
Shh, it's okay, I think. I'm Osgood. This is the Doctor. We're not bad guys. We're trying to protect the Albensians, and I think you are too. There was a brief silence. Then the Doctor whispered to Osgood, You know, you're not meant to give away information for free. The woman lifted her hand to stop him. On this occasion, it's worked. You're right, Osgood. I am indeed trying to protect the Albensians. And I'm working for the good guys. She paused. Well, I'm working for the government. Not always the same thing. Hey, I work for the government. So, any chance of your name? Sane Bell. My name's Sane Bell. Osgood felt the doctor tense beside her. What is it, doctor? I was told to speak to you. The man in the council chamber told me to speak to you. Sane Bell fell back in her chair, as if this was bad news. So my cover is blown. Great. That complicates things considerably. You're not working with him, then? Sane Bell shook her head. Quite the opposite. His name is Blaise. He's, well, from the private sector. He works for a big conglomerate that I think is trying to infiltrate Albensi. The Lisbon Corporation. Yes, we know about them. She noticed both the Doctor and Sane Bell were staring at her. What? You asked me to prepare a briefing? They offered to pay more to connect to the grid. Nobody offers to pay more, ever. They've got to be up to something. Sane Bell laughed. <laughs> You're quite right. I've been tailing Blaze for months. He's been collecting all the components that are needed to create a node for the grid. They're closely regulated, not easy to come by, and trying to lay your hands on all the parts attracts attention. But the Lisbon Corporation has plenty of money, of course. And now they've got everything they need to build a grid node. What happens next? Sane Bell sighed. <sighs> next they'll go to Albensi, deactivate the planetary defence system, install the node and connect Albensi to the Bazline grid. She frowned at them both. Do you understand what that means? The doctor looked grim. Once Albensi is connected to the grid, it's no longer off limits. It becomes a legitimate target for trade, colonisation and exploitation, just like duck hunting season. Nobody asks the ducks. He tapped his fingers against his lips. You're trying to stop this. Sometimes people working for the government are trying to do the right thing, Doctor. Sane Bell smiled at Osgood. Yes, I'm trying to stop it, she said. The Doctor still wasn't happy. You still drugged my friend. Sane Bell looked apologetic. I really am sorry. I thought you were working with Blaise. If you're right, Doctor, and Blaise told you my name, then the Corporation know I'm onto them. I was going to go undercover, find out where on Albensi the installation was going to happen, and stop it. But now I've got to think of something else. It was the Doctor's turn to look apologetic. I suppose I'm sorry about that. Perhaps we can make amends. Sane Bell frowned. How exactly? The Doctor smiled at her, fiendishly. Well, I have a long history of confounding invasion plans. I'll vouch for that. Sane Bell looked doubtful. Why should I trust you? Who are you working for, exactly? The Doctor and Osgood exchanged glances. I work for... a different government, but not one with any reason to work against your interests. It's complicated, but my lot don't really have the ability to get involved, even if they wanted to. But we, me and the Doctor, we don't want to see the Albensians exploited or conquered. Uh, well... This is all quite tricky to explain. Doctor, do you want to help? She glanced at the Doctor, who was staring at Sane Bell as if she was a particularly tough nut he would like to crack. Can't you simply send another agent instead? Sane Bell looked uncomfortable. The Doctor grinned. 
Ah, that's how it is, eh? Not entirely working under orders, are you? Sane Bell said in a frosty voice. I have considerable discretion in my day-to-day -day activities. The doctor burst out laughing. Oh, oh, now that's the kind of spy I like. Good news, Sane Bell. Help has arrived. The bad news is, it's us. Sane Bell looked from one to the other. The doctor grinning madly, Osgood smiling helpfully. She muttered to herself, I hope I don't regret this. All right. We need to find out where in Albensi the grid node is going to be installed. So we need to get into the Lisbon Corporation systems. Oh, great. I'm good at hacking. But Sane Bell had other plans. We'll start with a new dress for you, Osgood. And some high heels. Uh, what? Place your bets. Osgood, walking into the casino, caught a glimpse of herself in a huge mirrored wall and held back a snort of laughter. The doctor, kitted out in his tux, glanced over and said, What? I haven't dressed up like this since... Well, I've never dressed up like this. The doctor moved past her and said offhandedly, Did you change? I hadn't noticed. I don't like the shoes. The shoes are stupid. Osgood, following, felt her ankle go over slightly. Ow! I don't disagree. She pressed her fingertip against the long, dangly earring that Sane Bell had supplied and heard the other woman's voice in her ear. You're in. Okay. Now go over to the tables and start making a fortune. And keep listening. I'll give you the numbers you need. Osgood took a deep breath and strode over to the nearest roulette table. A four-mouthed gill breather wearing a mask moved along to make room, giving her a courteous bow, insofar as something without a waist could bow. She gave it her most winsome smile. I'm feeling lucky tonight. And Lady Luck, or rather Sane Bell's hack, were indeed on Osgood's side that night. She quickly began to stash away a fortune and started to draw attention. The doctor, meanwhile, prowled the room. Osgood, tugging at her earring, heard Sane Bell give one last instruction. Everything on black. Croupier, hit it. Predictably, Osgood felt a heavy paw on her shoulder. She turned to look into the chest of a towering, broad reptile in black tie. I'm guessing your boss wants a word. The reptilian heavy nodded. OK, then. Take me to your dealer. <laughs> I can't believe I got to say that. The heavy pushed her across the room, but their way was barred by the doctor. The reptile gestured to him to move, but the doctor shook his head. Well, I'm her glamorous assistant, or her bodyguard if you prefer. Where she goes, I go. The reptile looked about ready to punch the doctor out of the way, but then he tapped his ear as if receiving instructions, nodded and gestured to them both to follow. Behind them, a room full of punters returned to their games, disappointed not to have more of a scene, but relieved to avoid a serious fight. Still, the night was young. The heavy led them through into a private room, where a small group sat around a table gambling. A man in a white suit had his back to them. He turned and looked at Osgood. Good evening, ma'am. You've made quite a stir. All the better to meet you. He smiled and gestured to the chair beside him. Osgood sat, and the doctor stood behind her, his hands upon the back of her chair. I'm Lisbon. I know. My name's Nella. Petra Nella. You won't have heard of me. 
Look, shall we skip the niceties and get down to business? Lisban quirked up an eyebrow. Well, you don't waste time. Not when there's money to be made. Lisban gave a cold smile. You think I can help? You're the owner of the largest conglomeration in the Alliance. I am an heiress with money to burn. Together, we can make each other rich. Well, richer. Lisban laughed. He was charmed. He picked up a deck of cards and started shuffling them. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, what kind of investment do you have in mind? Albensi. Lisban's hands froze. How do you know about that? I'm rich. It gets me whatever I want. In this case, information. Information about a great opportunity. A new world, ripe for the picking. Lisban began to shuffle the cards again, and his smile returned. I like the way you talk. Before Osgood could reply, the door behind them opened. She and the doctor turned as one to look. Blaise, the man from the gallery in the council chamber, walked in. He stared at the doctor and Osgood. They stared back. You true! Lisban's head snapped round. Who are they, Blaise? Blaise moved forwards, reaching for a weapon. They work for Shane Bell, for the government. The doctor stepped forward. I I'll ask you to take that back. I'm not in the pay of anyone. The distraction was all Oscar needed. She tugged at her ear. Extraction now! And they were back in St. Bell's hotel room. She looked at them anxiously. How did it go? Well, our cover was blown almost straight away, but... I had just enough time to get the Trojan device up and running. We should be able to hack into the corporation's systems now. St. Bell was delighted. She and the doctor dashed to her sleep computer station, and in minutes they had what they wanted. The location of the grid installation on Albency. St. Bell sighed. St. Bell? What's the matter? They're already there. We might know where the grid node is, but we'll never get there in time to stop them activating it. I've got no support and no ship fast enough. She clenched her fists in frustration. Hang on. We can help with that. Can't we, Doctor? Sane Bell stepped out of the TARDIS. She walked all the way round twice. Stopping at the doors, she peered back in. I'm beginning to wonder whether I should be worried by such advanced technologies. Who exactly is funding all this? The doctor snorted. Funding? I'm self-made. Osgood exited as he closed the doors. She'd taken the opportunity to change back into her usual clothes. I'm not really here in any official capacity. Sane Bell eyed the doctor. And what about you? Well, I'm what you call freelance. He began to walk. Shouldn't we get a move on? We have a grid hookup to prevent. He led the way, with Sane Bell following and Osgood at the rear. They walked through a peaceful landscape. The TARDIS had materialized in a quiet wooded place near the edge of a valley. A silver river ran through, and the land around was farmed. Further up the hills, Osgood saw, everything was a little wilder. Maybe there were animals up there, whatever grazing animals they had in Albensi, cropping away at the coarse grass. Another alien world. This place is lovely. Same Bell strode on past her. It won't be so beautiful when the strip mining starts. Oh, don't worry. We're here now. We'll stop them. 
Following the coordinates they'd extracted from the Lisbon Corporation systems, they hurried into the valley. The Doctor and Sane Bell seemed anxious. Hang on, you two. The Doctor held out his hand to her. Come on. It won't be long before the interface is put together, brought online, and Albiancy is declared open for business. He scowled. Have I mentioned how much I hate invasions? Uh, so what's our plan when we reach the installation spot? Sane Bell looked worried. Her plan had been to get to Albency well before the installation was this close to completion. Now matters were complicated by having to keep her presence on Albency secret from the locals and any Lisban agents. So we have to get past the enemy agents, stop the installation, and get away again without anyone knowing we've been here. Well, it's a big task. Fortunately, we're very clever, very good at making trouble, and particularly good at getting away with it. Their progress was halted when they came to a wooden fence, marking off private land. Sane Bell said that they had to go that way. The doctor hopped over the fence. Uh, uh, doctor, isn't this trespassing? <laughs> well, who cares about a little trespass? Osgood pointed ahead. I think she cares. A woman was standing in their path, holding up a rifle. She took one look at the three strangers, shook her head and said, How many of you are there exactly? The woman introduced herself as Lisa. This was her land, she said, and it had been her family's land for generations. She wasn't keen on people wandering across it without her permission. In fact, she was starting to get pretty fed up of it. This is a quiet part of the world, but the last few months there have been a load of strangers around. She held tightly onto her gun, glaring suspiciously at the three of them as she drew closer. Who are you and where have you come from? What do you want here? But the doctor, of course, had questions of his own. Strangers, who have you seen? Have you spoken to any of them? What were they doing? Lacer gestured with her rifle further up the valley. Up on hills. It's not the best farm in land, but it's mine. And I don't like people going up there without my permission. Do you know who they are? We think we do. And we think they might mean you harm. Beside her, Osgood heard Sane Bell sigh. She supposed they could be playing things closer to their chest. Are they from Freetown? Lacer asked. The doctor gave her a kindly smile. No, no they're not. Lacer lowered her gun and looked at the three of them again very carefully. We're here to help. Lacer, will you let us help? Lacer did not reply. She turned and walked on a little way, stopping to get a better view up the hillside. She said, I just want to be left alone. The doctor nodded. Lacer went on. You say the people up there aren't friendly. If that's the case, then I'd like them to leave. I don't care how we go about it, just make them go away. The doctor smiled. I can do that, but Lisa, I do care how we go about it. So can you do one thing for me? Lisa nodded. Could you put away the gun? She stared at him, shrugged, and then hooked the rifle over her shoulder. The doctor sighed. Oh, I suppose that'll have to do. Lisa gestured down the path. It's a long walk and it'll be dark soon. We'd better get moving. As evening turned to dusk, Lacer strode ahead, leading the way. She explained that the visitors all seemed to be drawn towards a ruined barn further up the hillside. She had taken a look up there herself, but hadn't found anything. Are we absolutely sure we're looking in the right place? But the doctor was confident. Cloaking the grid interface would be straightforward enough. And we've got the coordinates after all. He looked at Sane Bell for confirmation. 
After a glance ahead at Laser, she nodded. Yes, they can conceal the node, but probably not themselves. Well, that'll be useful. Laser came striding back down the path. There were lights up at the barn, she said. The strangers were there. She swung her rifle round, looking ready to head back up and shove her gun into their faces. But the doctor stopped her. I'd rather we didn't. Besides, they won't hesitate to shoot back. Sane Bell, too, wasn't particularly keen on the direct approach. We, we can't let them know I've been here. Not a hint of it. The doctor nodded his agreement. Let's keep guns out of this. What we need is some good old, honest subterfuge. Hang on. I think I've got something that might do the job. Osgood dug in her pocket and found the device she had been working on that same morning. Her unit lab seemed a very long way away. The doctor jumped on it in delight, spinning it around in his hands. A signal jammer! Will it help? It's more or less functioning. And it's Earth technology, so they won't really be able to work out what's going on, or who's doing it, and we get a chance to talk to them. There was a silence. Osgood looked round. We are going to talk to them, aren't we? The doctor nodded. We're going to try. The doctor and Osgood came to a halt just outside the barn. Osgood took a deep breath. She put down the cases she had been carrying and started to set up her equipment. Doctor, do you think talking to them will do any good? The doctor gave her a kindly smile. I don't know, but it's worth a try. Get that jammer working first. We've got to hold the installation by some time. Yes, of course. The doctor took a step forwards and called out, Hey, you lot! Lace! Come out here! I want a word! Everything went quiet, and then the door to the barn opened, and Blaze came out. You again! Do you never give up? Never. Well, you're too late! Tell St. Bell she's too late! The doctor shrugged. Who's St. Bell? Quietly, under the cover of darkness, Osgood kept working on the jammer, and a few other pieces of kit she'd brought. Blaze looked impatient. I know she's here. I know you're with her. Doctor, it's working now. Good work, Osgood. He called out to Blaze. This is your first and only warning. We've jammed the grid signal. The node isn't working. Ask your colleague there. One of the other agents was running out of the barn. He exchanged a few words with Blaze, who looked worried and then angry. What have you done? We told you. We've blocked the signal. Good luck getting past it, because I don't think you can. We mean it. This is your last chance. Leave Albenzi now. Leave these people in peace. But Blaise was furious. Whatever you've done, we'll undo it. You go back to St. Bell and tell her this isn't over. Albenzi is opening for business and there's nothing she can do to stop us. But why? Why do you want to do this? This beautiful world? My bonus! I'm planning to retire early. He went back into the barn. Osgood turned to the doctor. I don't feel so bad about things now. Beside her, the doctor was burning with silent fury. Neither do I, Osgood. He looked down at the equipment she had spread out. Are you done? Osgood stood up. I'm done. The doctor and Osgood came back down the hillside to rendezvous with Sane Bell and Laser. Sane Bell looked at them anxiously. I guess from your expressions that they're not backing down. No such luck, but at least we tried. And we bought you and Laser some time. Osgood looked around her companions. Who wants to tell them? You, St. Bell? The doctor stepped forwards. Let's leave St. Bell out of this. I'll speak to them. 
Osgood activated the communicator. She had left the receiver and the speakers near the barn when she and the doctor had gone up with the jammer. Now all the doctor had to do was tell Blaise what was coming, because Sane Bell and Lacer had been busy too while the doctor and Osgood had been distracting the agents. The doctor spoke into the transmitter. Hello, hello, is this working? Hey, this is the doctor. You've had your chance. We told you to leave. There are explosive devices set all around the barn. You have just enough time if you get out now. He took a breath and started the countdown. Five, four... Sane Bell looked through the binoculars. Here they come. She passed the binoculars to Osgood, who trained them on the hillside. The barn door was thrown open. Beside her, the doctor continued. Three, two... The agents sprinted away from the barn. Osgood passed the binoculars to Lacer. You should see this, Lacer. The doctor cheerfully finished the countdown. One, and... The barn exploded, lighting up the night sky, taking the components of the grid interface with it. Sane Bell and Lacer high-fived each other. Oh, well, that's even more satisfying than I expected. The doctor smiled at her. I brought you here to be a peacemaker. Turns out I'd make an even better saboteur. Sane Bell, ever the professional, wasn't finished yet. Already she was dashing towards the barn. Come on, we've got to make sure they've gone. They found the two agents a few hundred meters away from the barn. Sane Bell hung back in the trees while the Doctor, Osgood and Lacer went to speak to them. As Blaise moved angrily towards them, Lacer lifted her rifle. I don't care what you were doing up there, she said. But it's my land and you've no right to be here. You'd better leave, now. The Doctor stepped forward. My friends, I'm against violence and I've counseled her not to use that weapon, but you've already seen how much she likes things that go bang. And that does go bang. I'd leave if I were you. Blaise and the other agent were gone. The doctor blinked. Well, it's not usually that straightforward. They're professionals, doctor. They know when they've lost and they know when to get out. Sane Bell came out from her cover. She nodded at the others. That went well. The doctor smiled back at her. Good job, Sane Bell. Good job all round, I'd say. Dawn was breaking on the Albensian hillside. The four saboteurs went up to the barn to douse the embers and see what was left. There wasn't much. Lacer surveyed the mess. I was thinking of pulling this down anyway. Save me a job? The doctor smiled at her. That's the spirit. Sane Bell and Osgood searched the rubble, looking for any evidence that someone from another world had been here and making sure it was destroyed. When they were done, they joined the doctor and Lacer. Must be time for you three to go, said Lacer. Back to your alliance, or wherever it is you come from. The Doctor, Osgood and Sane Bell looked at her in amazement. <gasps> You've known all along. <laughs> Farming's a lonely life. I spend a lot of time by myself, watching the skies. Sometimes there are bright lights, lots of bright lights. Her eyes flashed in amusement. We're not yokels here on Albensi. We know there are people beyond this world. We think there are a lot of you too. But we'd rather just be left alone. The doctor began to laugh. Oh, where have we been played, Saint Bell? The Albensians have got us to do their dirty work for them. Lacer looked unrepentant. We appreciate your efforts on our behalf, but it's time for you all to go now. Let leave us in peace. The doctor nodded. Time to go. Lacer walked them back down the valley, perhaps to say goodbye, perhaps to make sure that they really did leave. The TARDIS was waiting patiently where they had left her. 
The doctor set the controls to take them back to Naspiel. He smiled at his two friends. Nearly done. One last task. Osgood watched him busy himself with the controls again. What last task? I've just upgraded the defense system around Albensi. If they want to be left alone, let's make sure they'll be left alone. But those agents can get through. Not after my upgrade. Nobody's transmatting through this. Not agents of the Lesban Corporation. Not agents of the Alliance. Right, St. Bell? St. Bell nodded. Right. Then her face became pensive. Are you going to get into trouble? Oh, I'd guess... no. Lisban had been getting rather too pleased with himself. Too keen to assert authority where he didn't have authority and shouldn't have authority. I don't think that my, uh, employers will be too disappointed to see his plans for Albensi wrecked. But at the same time... She smiled at the doctor. At the same time, he's powerful, isn't he? He needs to be kept on side. I understand. You've done what the officials wanted, but unofficially. Sane Bell nodded. The doctor said, I bet some of your superiors will be pleased with your work here today. And I bet more or less everyone will want to forget about this whole little escapade. Hardly seems fair on Sane Bell. She deserves a medal. Why, I won't get a medal. Or a commendation, and I definitely won't get a pay rise. The doctor patted her shoulder. Well, you got a commendation from me. As for the pay rise, uh, I don't carry money. Osgood? Well, nothing you could spend here. Oh, hang on. She fished in her pocket and found a pound coin. She passed it to St. Bell, who turned it around in her fingers. That's the Queen. <laughs> Queens, eh? Very quaint. Hey, you never know. It might have archaeological significance. You might not need that pay rise after all. St. Bell smiled and put the coin in her pocket. Osgood had a feeling she wouldn't be parting with it. The TARDIS arrived on Nace Beale, and they said their goodbyes. Oh, it's sad to see her go. She was good people. Oh well, back to work I suppose. Right then, signal jammer. Won't take me two ticks to knock up a replacement. They were back in Osgood's lab. They'd hardly been there a minute when the door swung open and her sister walked in, carrying the coffees. She saw the TARDIS and the doctor and yelped. Oh, are we going somewhere? At last. Um, doctor? The doctor and his Osgood shared a secret smile. Uh, not today. I was just dropping by to say hello and to keep up the good work. Both of you. You have been listening to Doctor Who, The Twelfth Doctor Chronicles, Field Trip, written by Una McCormack. It starred Jacob Dudman as the narrator and the Doctor, and Ingrid Oliver as Osgood. It was directed by Helen Goldwyn and produced by Alfie Shaw. The script editor was Matt Fitton, sound design by Lee Adams, and music by Johan Morris. Executive producers, Jason Hay-Gallery, 
an Nicholas Briggs.